and welcome to another Cat's Cradle, the show within a show where we talk about games and game design, and I haven't bothered to write an intro for it. So listener, this might surprise you, but we're recording a podcast (laughs) about tabletop RPGs (laughs) and actual play is a funny thing because... At its core, it's a bunch of people playing tabletop RPGs like everyone plays tabletop RPGs at kitchen tables and dorm rooms and various dens, both of equity and inequity, all over the world. Mm -hmm. But there's always things that are slightly different, in our experience anyway, from playing a live session to something that's recorded. And we thought that we would navel-gaze about that for a bit. Absolutely. If you're anything like me, you have looked around the table at your witty and talented friends and thought, damn, we should do a podcast. And I'm not saying you're wrong. I wasn't wrong when I said it. But at the same time, they are two completely different experiences, <laughs> playing for fun and playing for a podcast. Um, and Nick is here. Ow. I was going to say something and it left. So, hey, uh, that's actually something really good to bring up. When you're playing for recording, you can take some time. You can go back. You have edit. Well, hopefully you will have editing. But I will say, if you are going to be putting out an actual play podcast, you should do, at the bare minimum, some editing. Like, I'm not saying that you need to go whole hog like Kathleen does. She is a sound engineer by trade, and so this is something that she likes to do. I'm hoping she likes to do it at least, and is very good at, uh, and has offered to do this for us. But you may not have the equipment and the experience that she has, but you should still make sure that everybody's being a little on point. That might actually be a really good place to start our discussion, is this idea of being on point. Nick and I were talking before we turned the mics on, which was a waste of our very clever good ideas, but we did it anyway, about how like we're never on our phones when we're recording sort of symphonies. I mean, I went shopping that one time. Well, yes, there there was the coffee maker. There was the coffee maker. The coffee maker was important, to be fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For the most part, the amount of attention required when you're recording is significantly higher than when you're playing with your friends around a kitchen table. And I'm not saying ignore your friends at the kitchen table or accusing you of doing that. I wouldn't dare. I think your friends are charming. But at the same time, you don't need to be on all the time at the kitchen table. You can take your turn and maybe check out a little. (laughs) But when it's a recording, you need to be contributing. You need to be actively paying attention or else there's going to be chunks of you forgetting what happened that Kathleen has to cut out of the podcast all the time. You have to perform. Yeah. You have to perform. You don't need to have all these acting chops and everything, but you have to act. Ha ha. You have to act like you're here to do work. Like you have to pay attention, which is honestly kind of amazing seeing as we are a podcast full of people with attention issues. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Which also probably goes to something else that I'd like to talk about, which is we only go for about an hour and 20, an hour and a half before editing. Mm -hmm. At most. At most. It is hard to pay attention for that long. Yeah. So if you are used to 
sessions that take hours, which all the other games that I'm in, the sessions are like three to four hours long. I can't really last all the way to the end with those anymore, but it is significantly more taxing to record and be thinking about, you know, like I, I'm watching the my waveforms, I'm making sure that I'm not clipping too bad if I you know, get too close or too far away from the mic. There's a lot of stuff that you have to take into account. It's something that you'll get the hang of. Like it took us a while to get to where we are. Our first couple of episodes are, well, you can tell that there are first couple of episodes. Absolutely. So I guess that's a big thing too, is don't worry about the first couple of episodes you do. You'll find a rhythm. You'll get into all of that, but you are going to have to pay attention. You are going to have to pay attention and... Not everything that you say as you're recording is going to be worth saying, but there is a certain amount of pressure that comes with performance. Mm -hmm. Just being aware of like, okay, is what I'm doing either like, is it funny? Is it contributing to the scene? Is it cool? If it's one of the three of those things, you're probably on the right track. But... I feel like there's a pressure when I am recording an actual play to make the most of everything that I have to say. And that's not to say that you don't riff, that you don't like get into inane conversations and little ditches because you're improvising <laughs> and that's how it goes. But I feel a little bit less compelled when I am playing just with people around the table to feel like I am making sure that everything pushes forward at every step of the play that I am being careful about crosstalk and that sort of thing. Mm. That's a big one. That's, that will probably take most people a little bit to get used to. It didn't take us that much because we used to do a radio show and a stream way, way, way back in the day. So we got a little used to it back then. Yeah. There are things that don't matter in a real table that do matter a lot when you're recording. Like side conversations and crosstalk in person are a perfectly natural thing to do, especially if you've got a larger group. And they can be great fun for like two characters to go off on the side and like have a little exchange while two other characters are doing something. But it's harder to do in a podcast because you have to squish out the time to be linear because your listener is not going to enjoy listening to two simultaneous conversations. It doesn't work in film. It doesn't work in podcasts. It doesn't really work in theater. I want it to work in theater, but it doesn't really work in theater. It's one of those things, yeah, where when all of the sound is coming from one location, you know, your headphones or your speakers or whatever, crosstalk is just garble. You know, when you're at a table, it's coming from different directions and it's much easier to tune one out or tune into the other. But if it's all coming out of your headset, it's just kind of falling on you. You're just in it. And actually, Kathleen brought up something kind of uh, tangential uh, that I'd kind of like to drill down on that is a very easy rookie mistake to make that I am very tempted to make every time I do a project of any kind is... Group size. Because when you are sitting around a table with your friends, you can play a game with like six players and a GM. It'll take long sessions, but that's also more feasible when you can move around and stretch and 
take things slow instead of having to be focused the whole time. It's also easier when you can physically see the people around you to get used to who everyone is and what they're doing. When it's an audio medium, you can't. You can't let a session go that long because it's going to be a nightmare for you to edit. You can't let crosstalk or side conversations happen, even though in a large group, people will be just waiting their turn in frustration. And a listener will have trouble learning everybody that is present. There are a lot of people who have trouble distinguishing between voices of podcasts that have three people on them. Don't make them deal with seven. That's so many. Yeah, audio only is very different from like video streams. I know, obviously, good old Critical Role kind of brought that to the forefront and became really popular. And that's, it you know, runs fairly large groups, you know, more than the four of us. Mm. But it's also a video medium and they're all also, you know, trained actors. So they're very used to recording and performing and that sort of thing. Like what they do on Critical Role, it's work. It's legit work. And they have all built a lot of skills up, you know, and these sorts of skills too, the boring part of acting, the not talking over each other and knowing how to project your voice and knowing how to pace things, all the stuff that goes on in the background. Yeah, making an actual play is considerably more complicated than just sitting down and playing game. And I know that sounds like common sense, but I think at least when we started on Sword of Symphonies, I was not prepared for exactly how different it was going to be. I was prepared for it to be different, but I am uh, an endless optimist and assumed I would just figure it out. And to my credit, I did, but it's not really, (laughs) I really should have been more prepared for this. That's the cat's story, I suppose. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to scare anybody off with this sort of thing. You know, this is just kind of the... Um, this is just the nuts and bolts. Like, this is what you're going to run into. And I will say, if you keep at it, if you try, you will gain these skills as you go along. Like, if you listen to your podcasts, if you do more than just show up, record, turn it off, you'll get all this stuff pretty quickly. Yeah. Because that's ultimately the thing. It's, there is another skill to performing to a microphone. There is just the physical skill of knowing how to place your body in front of one and project into one. There is the skill of being on point. There is the skill of reading how the session is flowing and what you can be doing and what you should be doing. There is reading the energy of the room. And so many of those things are things that you already have as an experienced role player, I think. And something that you will have a good time bringing to an actual play. I have a completely different sort of fun recording sort of symphonies than I do from playing around the table most of the time. One of the things that is lovely about doing something that is a performance with other people is the feeling that you are all working together toward a similar goal that sometimes you have somebody who enjoys throwing a wrench in the works for other people for people and seeing how they navigate, but ultimately you are all collaborating. And from every good radio drama, every good actual play, every good big improvised series like Half-Life with uh, the AI self-aware, 
everyone in the group has buy-in. Everyone's trying to make a vibe. And that's so much fun to really feel confident that you can do a thing and that the other members of your team are going to support you doing that as you all work to build up to something together. Mm. Yeah, whether you start there or not, you know, whether you have to build up to that, it's a lot of fun. I'm super happy that we get to do this, and I love doing this podcast with people. Oh, yeah. This is a blast. I love Sword of Symphonies. As an aside on the sort of back end of this, um, on the editing end, if someone has a sudden blank or trips on something, you can go back and fix it. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah. as it turns out, being able to control time and sound, I guess, uh, that's pretty useful. Oh, it's so liberating. Oh, yeah. I have this thing where sometimes my brain stops working, but I keep talking. Yeah. And Kathleen not only excises the things that I say when I do this from the podcast, usually, but also lovingly stores them in a little bucket full of nonsense for me to listen back to later, (laughs) which I love. Yeah, it goes back to that same sort of thing that I was saying earlier, is that when you are doing an actual play, you are asking other people to listen to you. And I personally feel like I want to respect you, the listener's time. Mm. If something happened, I want it to be funny or cool or interesting. And above all, to advance the scene, to advance the podcast. Like, even though Sword of Symphonies is gentle and sometimes on the slower side of the pace, I still want it to feel like it's moving forward. So I want to have something clever or delightful as often as I can. Mm. It's also nice to have that editing like fall net there because while podcasting is very similar to radio, you don't have to always be on. And that is so nice knowing that, hey, if you flub something or your mind goes blank, which happens to me a lot, It's like, hey, that's okay. Take 30 seconds, whatever, recollect yourself and keep going. And if, again, if you're willing to do that editing, that turns out just fine. Like it never happened. And it is so nice to have that comfort of being like, hey, I kind of went off the rails here or I just suddenly stopped in mid thought, whatever. We can just cut that out. You know, don't worry about it. Keep going. Mm-hmm. I'm really glad that Kathleen brought up pace because that's something I've been very excited to talk about <laughs> since we've been having this conversation because sort of symphonies has a very slow, deliberate pace. That's just the style that we do by the standards of actual play podcasts. We're not very frenetic. We tend to take our time with scenes. We tend to, allow scenes to advance our understanding of the characters instead of just advancing the plot, which, um, I mean, stuff isn't always happening, but we hope that there's something, like Kathleen said, something delightful being presented to you in every minute. Yeah, we're basically the dark souls of podcasts. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Nick, mm, buddy... 
That's the thing is we're going to have just this very strange relationship with shields. Do we want you to use shields? Do we not want you to use shields? It changes every game. We'll finally settle on something three seasons from now. (laughs) Here's the good news, though, listener, because you appreciate sort of symphonies. You can look down on people who don't. You're a better listener than they are. They just need to get good. Oh, dear. Back to pacing. Back to pacing. Sword of Symphonies, despite having this languid pace, is still much more aggressively paced than a tabletop game is. We play for usually somewhere in the vicinity of uh, an hour 15, an hour 20 minutes. That includes memory time. That includes intros and outros. That's roughly how long the recording is. At the pace you take when you're playing around the table with your friends in person, you can have an encounter last an hour and a half. That's not a big deal. You can have one scene last that long. And everyone can, you know, get up and stretch and take bathroom breaks if they like. Maybe there's snacks around the table. And that's fine. You're in a casual atmosphere. But for recording, because you have to be on all the time, you've Gotta keep the pace moving, even if you're making a slower podcast. I am in the process of putting together an actual play podcast for Blazing Him, project we're calling Roar to Heaven. It's going to be on Kickstarter soon, so please be terribly excited. Tell us a little about Blazing Him and Roar to Heaven, because I don't know how much we've actually talked about it in any of the cat's cradles. I don't believe we have. Blazing Him is a Lumen game that I made based on Evangelion and Symphogear. It's a sci-fi game about a world where angels have come from heaven to kill us and people use the power of music in music-powered battlesuits to do big, cool action scenes and destroy the angels. It's a Lumen game, and if you're familiar with the Lumen SRD, it's combat only. It doesn't have out-of-combat rules. It's meant to be big, flashy power fantasy. It's meant to be combat heavy. And as a result, Blazing Him is freeform out of combat. And combat can get tactical. And one thing I'm noticing as I'm playing these one shots with people to prepare for this podcast is that I need to carefully, carefully calibrate encounters to make sure that they finish within a suitable amount of time for a podcast And still leave us time for character development. And that's something that I'm going to be working on a lot of math for. (laughs) Roar to Heaven is going to be a 13 episode, very anime inspired, very flashy, uh, actual play. Featuring this tactical combat and also these free form anime inspired character development scenes. And in order for those to coexist within a reasonable amount of listening time for a podcast, we're going to have to be on a much stricter schedule than Sword of Symphonies. It's going to be a challenge for me. By the way, if, if the Kickstarter does well enough, we're going we're gonna to pay Kathleen to do some composing. So please. Thank you, listener. I love you. Do you want to hear me write like anime stuff? I do. Because <laughs> like I can do that. It's just I don't do that on Sword of Symphonies because it's not Sword of Symphonies. It's not. It's not, but I still want it very badly. (laughs) 
another thing that that leads into from talking about pace is that not all games are going to be good actual play podcasts. And even different games that will both make a good podcast will make very different podcasts. I think so much more nowadays about the pace of a game and the flow of a game than I ever did before we started Sort of Symphonies. Because ultimately, when you're talking about something that is a piece of art, a piece of media, something like a play or a novel or a radio drama or a film or an actual play, I mean... Those of you who had a similar primary education to me had to diagram like a story and talk about rising action and falling action and climax. And then if you've studied some filmmaking, talking about a three-act structure, even in the context of something episodic, building tension and flow and pacing within a time limit is tricky, like... People get paid lots of money to do okay at it because it's hard. (laughs) Writing is hard. It's not easy. Improv ain't easy either. Mm -hmm. So if if you're planning to do an AP podcast, first of all, that's wonderful. Like Nick's right. It's different from casual play, but you'll get it in no time. Don't worry. But one bit of advice I'd have for you is to just start watching the clock as you're GMing. Start watching the clock and paying attention to how long things take. Because while we record sort of symphonies, for the entire hour and 20 or so, my eyes are locked on the time and audacity at all times. I am keenly, upsettingly aware at how long everything (laughs) takes when we're recording. But as the GM, it is my job to make sure the story moves at the right pace. It's my job to make sure we get interesting things happening every episode. I hope I do my job. Yeah, a big thing about GMing or DMing on a podcast like this, yeah, when when you have those little downtime moments of, okay, do you want to do anything? You know, you've just got back from the dungeon. You just killed the goblin Lord. Do you want to do anything? Like at around the table, you can spend 30 minutes just kind of farting around going like, I don't know. uh, Do we want to go to the tavern and get ale? Do we want to go to the magic shop or whatever? But if nobody has a really good idea on a podcast, you just, you have to go. Which, yeah. look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be real with you. I have gotten the, do you want to do anything so many times? And I'm just like, no, no, please go. <laughs> that I really appreciate the uh, enhanced pace of an actual play podcast. <laughs> yeah. Once you get used to playing in like hour long chunks once a week reliably, like actually it's a pretty good way to play games. <laughs> Yeah, that's the thing, right, is if you are doing something that is uh, like an ongoing project, you've got to have regularity to that. We had a whole, one of the very early Cat's Cradles was me and Nick talking about that. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that's everybody's 
constant, constant, like, tribulation when it comes to tabletop games is finding time to have one consistently, you know? Mm -hmm. That's one of the things that's been so wonderful about Sword of Symphonies is like, oh, we do this every week. Yeah. A big part of the reason for our weekly release schedule is so that we play every week because we want to play every week. (laughs) (laughs) And also because, as Nick alluded to earlier, we're a podcast full of people with attention issues, and it is much easier for us to just say, we play Wednesday nights, Wednesday nights we play. And that stability is how our process works. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think if I had anything else. You can't bring churros to the podcast. Yeah, that is the thing about recording podcasts is you don't get to eat snacks. Yeah. Like, like I've got uh, an in-person heroic chord group and everyone gets to bring snacks and it's awesome. Oh, my envy. My envy. Every time you mention this group, I'm more and more jealous. Oh, it's great. (laughs) I want to play. I want to have snacks. It's great. And I love it in an entirely different way than I love sort of symphonies. (laughs) And it's it's not just that. Like, uh, if you have a squeaky chair, you should probably try to sit still. And that's easier said than done. Wow. That's easier said than done. Especially when you get to my age and your joints are falling apart. <laughs> yeah, there might be a little bit of self-training. You will also get that in time. Like that's just, again, it's just another skill of working on the podcast is you will learn, you know, I'm in podcast mode. I'm in the zone. I'm not going to do this. It doesn't always work, but you will get a mm-hmm. lot better at it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You need to get to know your microphone. You need to get used to, as I said, projecting into it, to looking at it, to getting used to what it does and how you sound and all of those things. One of the biggest superpowers that actors and podcasters and, uh, I don't know, all of these people that go under the odious label content creators... They get the superpower of getting to know how their voice sounds when recorded and eventually coming to terms with that. Oh, yes. If you hate the sound of your own voice, you're not alone. That's actually a really normal response for people to have. You'll get over it pretty quickly. Yeah. Real easy way to exposure therapy yourself. And it is good to listen to your podcast. It is good to do for several reasons. It helps you maintain continuity, helps keep things that have passed fresh in your mind. If you had fun with your friends, it is just the sound of you having fun with your friends, and that'll brighten up a dark day. Take it from me. When I listen to Sword of Symphonies, the number of times I find myself laughing at exactly the same time I laugh in the recording is eerie. (laughs) It's good jokes. It will also help you listen critically to things like, oh, I sound weird in this episode. I need to be paying a little bit more attention to my mic placement. Or, wow, the pace is off in this episode. Not great. Glad I'm better at that. I 
definitely super recommend listening back to your podcast. Even if you're not the editor, especially if you're not the editor, why make the editor do all the work? Conversely, why let the editor have all the fun? (laughs) At least for me, and I think probably for all of us on Sword of Symphonies, part of the thing that drives us is we want to do a good job and we want to get better and tell stories that we like, that portray characters that we think are interesting and have depth and really flesh them out and like have a good time with each other and make a good thing for you and keep getting better at it. Mm-hmm. Exactly right. <laughs> like that, those, are, those are our goals. <laughs> like the feeling of practicing something and seeing your growth is something that I just really love. Mm. Yeah, I was going to say, even if at the beginning you're just kind of like, look, we're just doing this, it's fun. When you start to notice that you are doing things better, you are going to have so much more fun when you're like, hey, all the stuff that I've been working on is like, we're hearing it now, it's coming out in the wash, as it were. Like, that's super cool. Absolutely. It's it's a beautiful thing. And then, look, you're not going to become Critical Role overnight. That's... Not going to happen. Critical Role dudes were already famous when they started doing Critical Role. Mm-hmm. Yeah, also, I'm pretty certain they did Critical Role for a long time before it really took off. Oh, no question. Yeah. But at some point in your podcast's life, you're going to encounter someone you don't know who has listened to it. And I cannot describe to you what that feels like. It's incredible. It's a trip. It will give you that serotonin hit. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I guess what I'm trying to get at here, listener, is thank you for being that for us. Whether you've reached out to us or not, the fact that you are listening to us means a lot. (laughs) Like, Like it really does. We don't. We don't do this for, I do this for attention. Everything I do is for attention. But it is so, so rewarding to know that you're on the other end of the microphone and that you're listening to us. And I hope that if you start a project of your own, that you tell us about it and that you have as wonderful a time with it as we have with Sword of Symphonies. Yeah, and once you do get that going, where can they send it to, Kat, that we can watch that we can listen. Well, you can get a hold of us on Twitter at Peach Garden RPGs or through the email form on our website, sortofsymphonies.com. If you add us, we will retweet you. Well, we'll do it. We will absolutely do it. You can't stop us. You can find us on the Heroic Discord, which is in our pinned tweet on Twitter. We would love to chat with you. There are game designers working on their Harmony Drive games, and it is a blast. We would love to meet you on the Be Gay Roll Dice Network Discord, where you can meet our network community. Just fantastic folks. All of whom probably have their own really great ideas of what makes an actual play podcast. Very different ones, I might add. Like... When I guested on the Eternity Archives, we did an arc in Heroic Chord and it was wonderful. Go listen. Completely different from the way we play Sword of Symphonies. 
So if you really want a well-rounded view of what makes an AP workflow, don't just listen to us. Talk to all of them too. They're all great. This is a secret about creatives is that they love talking shop. Mm. Each of them. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like giving a creative an opportunity to talk shop is a gift. Well, come talk shop with us and we'll see you next time, listener. Thank you for listening. Thanks. Catch you next time, listener. Good night. Bye, everybody. Be gay. Roll dice. An LGBTQIA actual play podcast network. Well, hello there, young adventurer. I've been waiting for you. We've met before, don't you remember? Ah, no worries. I'm quite forgetful myself. The other sparks are waiting for you. Leviath, Shuey, Theo, and Brandy. They've had such wonderful tales to tell. A truly marvelous story. I wonder which one of them will be the chosen one. Perhaps none of them will. Perhaps it will be you. The morning's coming soon. I have to leave now. Will I see you again? I sure hope so. Is a story really a story if there's no one to tell it to? Well, goodbye for now, adventurer. Chosen Ones is a visual novel-style D&D podcast on YouTube that releases every Thursday at 1pm CST. Find us on Twitter at Chosen Ones D&D. Come adventure with us.